Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, the new REM record is a thing at the moment. It's not coming out for a few months. It's 35 minutes long. And it has something like nine tracks on it. And the debate is whether or not to add two more. But you're adding up whether... They're basically about three minutes a song, which is fantastic. I'm all all in favour of it. Well, you know, you can't... Who's got the time to fit in the uh, 18 minutes? Yeah. You know. This was all started because we had a reader, and I've lost their name, uh, who got in touch with the website, went to see the delays recently, uh, and complained that they only played an hour, including encores. And he says, is that a gig? Well, various people have got in touch with the website and said, fine, I wish things were. You know, one hour, including on I wish football matches were an hour long. Oh! <laughs> Certainly with the Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, so they wouldn't t- waste any time warming up or any of that sort of... Well, they just kind of get on with it. Middle of the second half, longers would sort of disappear, wouldn't they? New Order used to play a 40-minute set and in, this, in, in the 80s. And considering their songs were all between six and eight minutes long, there wasn't an awful lot of rares that needed to be done. Because, you know... Blue Monday, well, that's eight minutes eaten out of the set. Uh, We're virtually caught the way through. Yeah, two, right. One more song. That's been the word podcast, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) The shower. (laughs) I think I saw the Ramones when about their third album was out. So they had quite a few songs to play. But I think they're off the stage in less than an hour. You know, they'd done nearly everything. Surely it's the intensity of the rather than length of duration of time that they're actually. Yeah. Whose gigs are actually too long? Well, okay. Uh, Grateful Dead are definitely too long. Well, uh, by definite, their, their job is to be too long. Isn't it? Um, their job is gone forever. But that's, that's it, it, seriously, it's sort of part of the deal, isn't it, with Grateful yeah. Dead? That they kind of move in and we do our stuff for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And somewhere within it, there'll be some good stuff. Yeah. So if we don't do loads, yeah. there won't be anything. We give any you good. lots and it's up to you to just edit out the bits that yeah. suit you. And <laughs> you can switch, you can just. Playing out if you're a bit bored. Isn't this just the as they used to. This is the kind of sort of just dumping a bag of groceries on the table and going, "There's your dinner." So, yeah, five, <laughs> yeah, five, five, yeah, yeah. yeah. avoid the sprouts if I were yeah. you. <laughs> a friend of mine went to see Fela Kuti in the mid '80s when they yeah. played at um, Talent when he played yeah. at Talent Country Club, 
and they hadn't managed to get anything to eat before they, they went to the gig. So halfway through the gig, he started playing a song, and they were like, I oh, know, let's just nip out now, this will be the middle <laughs> let's bit. see where this is going. <laughs> Got themselves a kebab, yeah. finished Made it three off, phone calls. Came back in. Went home. Same song. Went to the drive. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. That's good. I've told that story in the past about going to see The Grateful Dead at Wembley, and I left during the drum solo, went all the way to the back of the place, drove, walked all the way to the car park, got my car, was leaving the car park as I heard the... Bill Kreutzmann, Bill Kreutzmann, Mickey Hartley's the I'd missed about 20 minutes being banging, you know, so... I've just realised we've been going for a while and we haven't introduced ourselves. I'm David Hepworth, you're... Uh, Andrew Harrison. And uh, wearing the huge earphones as ever. Matt Hall. And sitting next to him... Uh, Mark Ellen. Mark Ellen. And we're talking about gigs that were too long and too short. Bruce Springsteen used to be too long. Uh... Three and a half hours well, like that, with in- intermission in the middle. With no, and I still don't think he does have a support act. And that's always yeah. a sign. Oh, he doesn't have support. No support. No. But nowadays he plays less. He business. does yeah. He does like two and a quarter or something like that with no intermission at all. Um, and manages to, you know, maintain, maintain the excitement quite reasonably uh, throughout that. Other points, people, people go to gigs nowadays and they get in touch with the website, wordmagazine.co.uk, and they can't help but sound like grumpy old men. <laughs> Fair well, enough. Why is that, Dave? Uh, why? Why? why is that? Wonder, wonder why they pick that yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> well, Neil says, complaining about his fellow audience members, yeah. who I think yeah. ruin his fun. He says that <laughs> yeah. Dave says we ought to go for a pint sometime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says, and I quote, guy. He says, and I quote. The trouble with concerts is that everyone goes to them these days, not just music lovers and fans of the band. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> these other <laughs> bastards. Yeah. <laughs> They've no that's right. What, that's what telly's for, and, and, and you know, but there's model a, trains. There things. is a kind of serious thing going on at the moment nowadays that, you know, we've discussed it before, that you know, the big, highly publicised gigs, the Led Zeppelins and the Bruce Springsteen, whatever, yeah. everybody wants to go. People who previously would have had no interest yeah. whatsoever suddenly want to go. I yeah. know people ring me up saying, can I get them tickets to go go and see Bruce Springsteen? Well, it's like my wife wanted to go and see Baby Shambles, you know, because Baby Shambles is just a car crash in action. <laughs> she likes to, she wants to report back to her yeah, pals. Mrs. doesn't said, want to go and see she did, Baby she Shambles. She did, we talked about this last week. She was disappointed when they didn't turn up. So somebody else suggested, further to Neil's point, that uh, it makes you wish you could vet the people you were sitting near when you booked your tickets. How <laughs> do I go about this, actually? Do you, do you, it would have been an interactive This is like quiz. joining the grab show. Yeah, you've got to have a kind of reference to sit in block C. Can you be blackballed? <laughs> I'm afraid that ticket has a restricted view and three people who never normally go to concerts. <laughs> yes, yes. Three people who never shut up yes. and sing along with the choruses. Do you know that Fraser is going to, the, going to the football on Wednesday night, England, Croatia, and as ever, he is sitting in the singing section. So nowadays in Wembley, they have... A You're singing section. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding at all. Do they have a fighting They have section? a singing section. Now, whether this is to, to encourage people to sing, or whether it's to make people who don't want to be bothered by people singing, you know, having a quiet yeah. evening, I don't know. But they're starting to do this. And I heard... Like they used to have a non-swearing section for families. Do you remember? Yeah. Family section. Well, this is, this is the you do wonder of, if this is the equivalent of the quiet carriage on the train. <laughs> yeah. you know, or we're told that the New Wembley is one big quiet carriage. Yeah. So, yeah. Does, does Wembley have a kind of leaving five minutes before the end of the game section so they can all get on the tube? You know? Considering the way they've been playing recently, yes, yeah. they're leaving half an hour before the end. But uh, I heard... I heard a radio program the other day about somebody talking about if you wanted to go to a, a, a Serie A game in Italy, yes, because they have such trouble with 
violence and write your will and before ultras and you know yeah. whatever. Seriously, the only way you can get a ticket now is go along and turn up with your passport. And if you're t- going to take somebody, if you're buying two, and you're taking somebody with you, you've got to take their passport as well. You know, so they absolutely know everybody who's sitting in every seat in that stadium. Yeah. So they can trace them through the you know yeah, security they cameras. They absolutely know all the hooligans in the stadium anyway. At yeah. Yeah. No, they're looking out for they're new not, ones. They're, 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 <laughs> they're, 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 they're always welcome to headquarters, yeah. just the other they, side of the room. They're usually the ones with scars on their faces doing Nazi salutes, yes. aren't they, and burning things? But yeah. you do wonder if rock and roll gigs eventually get like this. They'll know exactly where everybody where is. the singers are. Where, yes. <laughs> yeah. They'll know where Mark Allen is yeah. singing. Well, yeah, I tell you, there's no better cure for singing than hearing us. I went to see Bob Dylan at Blackbush in whatever it was, 1978. And there was a guy next to us bootlegging it with a big old uh, cable with a, with a yeah. mic at the top. And I said to him after, he said, he couldn't send us a copy of the tape, could he? Because he sent it back. It basically consisted of me and my friend. <laughs> Times they are changing. <laughs> it was the most horrible thing I've ever heard in my life. I felt like it was a very curt yeah. note from him as well, actually. And I thought, yeah. in the same way as, in fact, Frank Zappa used to record his own children when they behaved badly. They were moon unit and dweezil yeah. about sex. Yeah. And they wouldn't behave. He used to put a microphone under their bedroom door and record it. And then play back the sound of them arguing oh. to themselves. That's a good idea. That's cruel. An enormous on stage to the audience. Probably on stage, better. No, actually at home. Yeah. This apparently caused them to behave a lot better. Well, our friend Ken Sharp, photographer of this yeah. parish, who, uh, when his children were younger and they were misbehaving in public places, he used to threaten to dance. <laughs> and so they'd be standing in a department store, and there's always some music playing in the department That's store. That's good. And yeah. if people weren't doing as the told, oh, I feel, I feel the music Ooh. moving. I'm going now, and he'd start, you know, falling into a public, you I'm know, the good mashed foot. potato, <laughs> you know, instant behaviour of children. Uh, but further, further two gigs, uh, Frank went to see an Aussie solo acoustic guitarist called Tommy Emmanuel, who I've never heard of in Glasgow. But he's struck by the fact that people felt the need to clap along with him, invariably out of time. Uh, Any time something approaching a four-four, the rhythm was heard on the stage. You know, so people have been piling into this. The subject of clapping along, oh, a yeah. kind of acoustic. Well, there gigs. should be a should be a cordoned off area for a a a a a rhythmic clappers. clappers. Yeah. That's right. Because you know, you know, anybody clapping along with an acoustic tune is eventually going to stop. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. you can't keep it going to the end. You know, yeah, and so not. you're going to hear it just well, piece around. Just, acoustic tunes tend to sort of speed up and slow down as well, don't they? Because it's all at the whim of the one. I suppose so. And the clapping is always, you know, going to get a bit all over the place. Yeah, yeah. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. So anyway, the, this week's the, this week's key topic that I want to quiz you on, because I've been thinking about this a lot. It struck me I've now reached the venerable age. Where, you know, you, your interest in music changes. Of course it does. Your reaction to music, your interaction with music changes. But I realised recently, I'd stopped wanting to be a rock star. Oh, well, <laughs> OK. And it made so did me... Did you ever want to be one, though? This is an amazing uh, confession, really. No, it's not a confession. Which rock star did you want to be? No, I'm not... Palmer. <laughs> well, that's right. He still gets stopped in the street. He does, he does, yeah. By the ladies. you were dead, they yeah, said. Yeah, they said. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> he is reborn. Sorry, Nicola. Are you ready? Dave's <laughs> blushing a bit, okay. actually, listeners. No. Here's my point, and I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. Right. All, particularly boys, I think, it's, I think it's probably stronger with boys than it is with girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 that they, that they first yeah. start getting interested in pop music because of the opportunities it affords them for indulging in the fantasy that they are a pop star. Yeah. yeah. Yes? Uh-huh. Absolutely right. It's not just listening to the music. It's not just, oh, I like a tune yeah. or whatever. It's... Oh, I can pretend to be yeah. whoever it is, the Sex Pistols, the yeah. Smiths, the Beatles, the whatever. Yeah. And a large part of your time 
particularly as a teenager, is spent, you know, in your bedroom pretending to be, yeah. you know, either, look, this is what I want to talk about. You know, what was the greatest kind of, uh, what's the greatest piece of theatre that you've indulged in, in your efforts to pretend that you're a rock star? Well, I don't know if it was terribly... Oh, you never did it, sense, but I, no, 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 I used to spend a lot of time sitting in photo booths thinking I looked like Roy Harper on the inside gatefold sleeve of flat Baroque and Berserk. And in fact, I looked like a, a sort of um, girl with a rather podgy face. But seriously, <laughs> you've never, you mean to tell me that you've never put on a record and got out a wooden tennis racket? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's been done, yeah. Okay. And, and, no, what record? What what do you used to do this to? It's all gone quiet now. It's gone quiet now. I still do it all the time. Would it be bad company? You're not old enough yet. Would it be bad company? Forty years old. You don't give up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Bad company's bad company. Off the album Bad Company. I remember that. Who did you used to be? Paul Rogers or uh... Uh, probably no the other guy. What was his name? I can't remember now. Mick Ralph. Not the hoople. Rick Ralphs. I remember that. So you got the wooden tennis racket out. Yeah. Was certainly better. How did you attach the wooden tennis racket? We did have to plug it in, Dave. It wasn't real. No, I'm serious. Because everybody listens to this. I defy anybody who's listening to this to deny that they've done this. Yes? Yes. Thank you, Matt. If they're male, they're male. Girls as well, I don't know. But um, if you've got the tennis racket, you can't just hold it up. No. You've got to have a strap. So what are you? No, your tennis racket's not heavy, Dave. You just hold them in the in the you know left hand or the right hand. Oh, they stay uh, there. Yeah, but how do you then do the clapping along? No, thank you. Oh, yes, yeah. very <laughs> good. It down, put down, down. clap <laughs> along. Yeah. You see, I used to use it. Uh, Throw your imaginary mic stand up, twizzle around, catch it. Got to say, it's a dressing gown called. Dressing right? gown called. Yeah. Yeah. Around a hockey stick. Dre- oh, a hockey Base. stick. Base. Yeah. Base. That's very. Is that because you had the the hockey the stick hockey, there? Yeah, I didn't go out and buy the hockey stick, especially. <laughs> but that's because you were you were you were sort of a bass air guitarist. Yeah. You? So you wanted to be a bass player rather than a guitarist. Yeah, that's quite so original. Was it Peter yeah. Hook? Were you doing Peter Hook? Yeah, I was doing. Low I slump. I seem to remember a very uh, uh, kind of uh, mid early eighties, probably maybe even earlier. Police. Oh. 1978 of peroxide yeah. hair was kind yeah. of yeah. Right. Really. what about you Andrew come on lots of air drums always has been right, uh, hitting things with sticks uh, incapable uh, did you go boo boo uh, a little bit of that yeah <laughs> but most, most just um, trying to, uh, air drums to the beat and madness and things like that because it was oh, fiddly yeah. and twiddly uh, mother driven to distraction by the fact that me and also my two brothers would play air drums all the time at the dinner table uh, on you know salt sauce all three of them. Oh, yeah, all so the actually mass, with no with no um, oh, with fingers, striking things and forks hitting plates hitting flicking things, bits of yeah, fish finger the dog, all over the kitchen stuff like yeah. that yeah, yeah, dog. Yeah. still do it what was the dog a floor tom tom <laughs> <laughs> I, I was big on drumming mid sixties. Was it with hi hat work? Well? Uh, can I just well, yeah, can I just can't see Matt crossing his hat? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I used to talk out while you're doing it. Very very professional. I used to set up on the side of my bed, tiny bedroom. Right, I used to set up on the side of it um, a few pillows as as hi hats and tom tom. I'm Everybody's not joking. Done it. An upturned cardboard backed 
sketchbook as the snare, snare drum. You Very nice sound. Nice sound. Probably could tune it, yeah. And a couple of my mother's large-sized, fat knitting needles uh. as sticks. Were you playing along to a particular record? I used to play the whole of the Rolling Stones' Aftermath and the whole of the Beatles' Revolver on the drums. Now, you're looking at me as if I'm the only yeah. person in the world. No, I'm not. That. No, I don't really think I'm that's, that's fair enough. That's but brilliant. Thing, I just see you in a blur of yeah. knitting needles. <laughs> <laughs> you you yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're and then after about half an hour you stand up and put a towel around your neck <laughs> yeah. and go thanks and for coming out to an imaginary audience yeah. <laughs> I think, listen, this, this, is of, this is of a certain era isn't it and if like me your era is Later. largely comprised yeah. of, of uh, electronic, is, that, is, that electronic the credi- is that the credibility that, for me yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All manner of electronic music, and of course, miming to electronic music basically involves standing by a table, motionless, Pre- moving your pretending to prodders, uh, pretend, yeah. pretending to be Ralph or Florian or Chris Lowe, or you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. didn't your mother have a hostess trolley that you could press into service? <laughs> she didn't as, actually, as a, <laughs> well, well, a few, a few desks. just a tea <laughs> tray. The dinner wagon of the hostess trolley could have been yeah. pressed into service. Come the electronic age, <laughs> yeah. You, but you and your brothers and one mate could have been with four trolleys. Could have been the mighty craft work. Absolutely, really, yeah. Well, well, absolutely we, had a, we also had a neon sign, which instead of saying Ralph or Florian, said N. S. Harrison, high class family butcher. So we could have <laughs> stood that in front of us. It would really have been on the money there, I think. So we'll do this one with teenagers. I think we'll do this one with students. We've all got quiet. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. we do. Yeah. We do. I think we continue into our twenties and thirties. I think the thing that stops it is children. Well, I still do it. Well, children watch it. No, I, st- I still do it. I've no, got small children. But, okay. got small children. but where different. it moves to... Now, the venue of the pretense moves to the car. Is it air drumming? Oh, that's good. It, is, yeah. that, is that true? Oh, well, I drum while driving on the dashboard in front of me. When I'm on my... Also, yeah. I sing frantically. And then you forget when you pull up at the first set of lights when you go back to London Rose, you've left your window down. You're trying to hit some faltering harmony <laughs> yeah. to some frightful old pop. That is embarrassing. People are looking but if at you it. look at the car that's yeah. pulled up alongside you at the lights, it's with a bloke your age doing exactly yeah. the same yeah, is, thing. Yeah. And actually, Plus, you know, it's the same radio program. Yeah. Well, well, no. the same record. You never know. Well, yeah, well, the same record, a CD yeah. player or whatever. Yeah. But in, t- in today's modern world where you're not allowed to smoke, eat a cigarette, uh, eat a cigarette, smoke a cigarette, <laughs> <laughs> eat a sandwich or use a mobile phone in the car, surely air drumming in cars and singing in cars is probably more dangerous. It's taking your mind off the road more. So as we're banning people going to concerts who don't know the music, we should probably be banning <laughs> singing in cars, shouldn't we? Let's ban everything. Let's but it must be traumatising for, for kids, though, mustn't it? As a mate of mine said, one of the most hilarious stroke awful moments, there's that uh, machine going off again. Yeah. <laughs> the sound of young Islington again all the week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was going to this party, the 50th birthday party. She was absolutely plastered. The kids had gone to bed and all that, you know. And she's absolutely plastered. She's standing up on a table singing uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody to an empty Budweiser bottle. And she looks up and she hits the kind of scaramouche, scaramouche. She looks up and there's her own two children who've been woken by the noise in her little dressing yeah. gowns, aged about four and six, right, coming down. And they're frightened little faces yeah. peering through the back. What has happened to our mother? Yeah. Never, never made a full recovery. What about things that you've used as a microphone? Have you ever used the Monroelette deodorant? That's good. That, you sound like a pro, Dave. That's good. That's a long is time ago. Is this your yeah. life, Dave, or is this the movie Hairspray? Do you know what this is? <laughs> <laughs> gigantic hairbrushes and your, your big old Eddie Winehouse but beehive. I've got a... And she doesn't listen to this, so I can say this. One, one, of, my, one of my daughters. I, I've got at home a proper microphone. 
and I know she has a case. I know people listening oh. to this may find that hard to believe. She has. I've occasionally walked in. What <laughs> yeah, are you going to bring it in, Dave? <laughs> Let's use yeah, it. Yeah, because this cup with a string on the end of it is really not working out. I've occasionally, I've occasionally come into the room and found her with a microphone, you know, Kylie record or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's not. And it doesn't work properly because it's too big. You know what I mean? The what? real equipment. It's like a real guitar. Yeah. It's too big and too heavy yeah, for the fantasy, mobile. you know, yeah. of the tennis racket. Presumably kids nowadays as well spend all their time fashioning uh, wire coat hangers into small kind of like yes. voice headphones. Yes. 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 Danny Minogue microphone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the purpose of the microphone now in today's modern presentation of pop music is not actually to be sung into. It's to give you something to do with your hands. So you can grab the mic stand and wave it about to show passion you can hold yeah. it, you can take it out of the mic stand and start to wander around the stage when the key change happens and you can stick your arm out. It's all presented, none of them are plugged in. Radio mic, nothing, they're all miming. No, yeah, you see that on those uh, on the kind of X Factor programmes where they've been coached in how to present themselves. They yeah. always give them something to hold their hand, oh, yeah. don't yeah. they? It's, yeah. not, it's not the thing added on. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. basic basis of the act. Do you remember that peculiar microphone that Freddie Mercury had at Live Aid? What was the Which was like that? a little sort of walking Well, he always used like that. A, like a, a riding whip. Did he always use it? He always used it. It was like a sword stick. Yeah. It enabled him to twirl it around without kind of yeah, braining himself. It? It, was was it? it was half a mic. On. I don't remember anybody. It was but half a mic. It was just half a mic. It was an affectation. Pulled it out, half a mic. I thought when I was a kid, I did think it was a sword. I thought it was really exciting. Did you? I thought it was going to run through. You, know, you thought it was going to do a bit of jousting, yeah. parrying. When, yeah. when he started singing, oh, you know, baby friend, that was terribly yeah. disappointed. I remember <laughs> also, another major childhood memory is uh, the bloke from the suite. Is it Brian uh, Donnelly? Yeah, Con- yeah. Connelly, yeah. Snapping a mic stand over his knee on top of the pops. And I thought this was really? the fantastic thing I'd ever seen. Because right. I looked at him and thought, his knee. that yeah. must have been so expensive. He's yeah. broken a really expensive yeah. thing. His legs are Well, it was also like everything else on top of the pops in those days. It wasn't your own gear, was it? You used to arrive at top of the pops and they gave you props. Yeah. And you so you use the same mic everybody else used, same drum kit everybody else used. Yeah. They had pads on it so that when the drummer hits it, it didn't make any noise at all. Yeah, and the mother's yeah. cookery books. So you ever go to well, Top of the Box in the really yeah. old days? I once went as a as a plugger, and it was who was on? Do you remember? It was. I went because Jonathan Richmond and the Model Lovers were on. A very tough bit. I can't remember. You know, about seventy six, seventy seven. But the point about this was Top of the Box Studio was the quietest place you ever went to in your life. <laughs> because they couldn't go beyond a certain volume because the technicians would all walk out. Yeah. And, and the people dancing, you could hear, the playback was so quiet, you could hear their clothes moving as they danced. God. You know, the girls' kind of beads or whatever were swishing backwards and forwards as they danced. It was that funny you know, because uh, as a viewer, it never looked forced at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, if you want to, if you want to add anything on on your your history as a mime artist, or you know, your, any any confessions you want to share with the group, wordmagazine.co.uk. We've got uh, a rich thread. You can talk. You can talk. You're in yeah. safe company. Yes. we've we all done it. We're yeah. I think. We <laughs> the word. I'm going to read you actually the letter of the month. Sits back. Sits back. Throws log on fire. By Philip Bryer. We get occasional communications. They're absolutely masterful. And Philip's is. He says, Rockefeller skank popped up on the iPod recently and the memories came back to haunt me. They haunt me like a curse. Which is a quote from Bruce Priestley, I think. Um, I'd been for a job interview and dressed in suit and tie. I stopped up in a record shop in Richmond, Surrey, where I had the following exchange. Excuse me, I said. They've been playing this record on GLR in the mornings. I think it's called Funk Soul Brother or something. 
Actually, he said with a sniff, it's called Rockefeller Skank. His fellow spotty T-shirt smirked in the background. <laughs> is it? Is, is so it familiar? really? <laughs> yes, it's by Fat Boy Slim, actually. Fat Boy uh, Slim. Fat Boy Slim. He's one of the top remix DJs in the country. Is he? Is, is he really? I'm good. Well, well, well. I'm so I, pleased. I replied, rather too close to John Cleese for comfort. They were smiling at me. Perhaps they liked me after all. Have you got it then? Fat Boy Slim's record. It's not out till next Tuesday. I reached down for my briefcase. Oh God, the briefcase! <laughs> it took the long, lonely walk back out of the store. I noticed the music had stopped. That's yeah. brilliant. That's, That's Philip Bryan. Well, That's a sensation. It's straight out of High Fidelity, isn't it? So, you know, Jack Black. All you've got, uh, you know, to, to make up for it now, Philip, is that those guys working at the rocket shop are probably out of work by now. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Everybody that has ever done that job is out of work now and been replaced by iTunes. Well, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're patronising tricks don't work anymore. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't look down from your high horse anymore. They'd be really user-friendly, yeah. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Talking of uh, talking of record shops, people get into something. I never fully realised this until a few months ago. I was in Oxfam, an Oxfam shop in 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 um, Marylebone High Street. Ah, uh, carry on. Okay, oh, okay. <laughs> this is the first time I've been in an Oxfam shop for ages, and they had a few records, a few racks of records at the back, and they had kind of like Elton John, you know, Made in England or whatever. Goodbye, you look down Brick Road and on record. They charge about £24 for them, you know. And somebody's got in touch on the website pointing this out that if you go to Oxford shops and look at the records, they're charging insane amounts. And when he's gone to the, the counter and said why, the, the generally elderly staff running the place say, We have a handbook from head office that tells us what to charge. Well, presumably they must be selling them or they wouldn't carry on well, doing it. Somebody goes in and thinks, it's rare. Well, it's 24 quid. I don't know, gone. But also, no. Maryland High Street is strange because A, Maryland High Street used to be, well, is where um, GLR, that some of us used to yep. work at or nearby, uh, yep. used, to, uh, used to be based. And so therefore, the Oxfam shop in Maryland High Street was always particularly well stocked with both <laughs> records and books. Well, that's what that means. Anyway. Know, <coughs> um, but also, they do have a, a central... Uh, Costa Rapper, yeah, yeah. and you can actually buy from Oxfam on the interweb now. They, you, there's a little bit of the Oxfam website, and you can buy by mail order from uh, from Oxfam. But it means that no longer can you go into well, certainly Oxfam, and I imagine most other charity shops, and hope that the nice old lady behind the counter has like misplaced Mis- kind of exactly got a decimal point, pristine version yeah. of the White Album. But you see, but also pe- photos in and stuff. everything gets reissued <laughs> so much nowadays that nobody knows whether they're looking at the original copy. You know, and they probably think they are, and it's, you know... Is it, is it to do with something. the original copy, or is it just to do, in many cases, the fact that it's just hard to get these things on vinyl at all? I don't know, is it that hard? I don't know. No, I just did really a little straw poll in the office, in the word office, uh, to see what two records are in every Oxfam shop you ever go into. And the answer is, the answer is no parlay by Paul Young. That's <laughs> yeah. right. You it's always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Into the Gap by the Thompson Twins. That's true. Still, <laughs> well, when I was a, when I were a lad, the one that was always there was the Golden Hour of Donovan. 
Oh, for some yeah, reason, yeah. which was a discount record anyway. Yes, 21, it was a guinea. It was a guinea. It was a guinea. A guinea. Here's a shiny guinea, young man. Go out and buy yourself a golden diamond. On an awful lot of magazine promotional CDs as well. Filling. Oh, are they? The, oh, yes. With not for resale. Not for resale. Watermark Andrew uh, yeah, Harrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a heartbreaking tale here from uh, from Lloyd, uh, who's a, a, a reader and uh, on the website this morning, he, he points out it was his birthday today, and his young son bought him the Eagles, the new Eagles CD for for his birthday. And he says, dismissed contemptuously by Mr. Hepworth in this month's magazine. I don't think I ever want to listen to it, despite loving their earlier stuff. What am I going to do? You know. So Has he not heard it yet? He's too terrified to hear it after reading a review. No, but if your son's... Well, there's two stories going on. Yeah, yeah. One is, is it possible to have your enjoyment of something utterly spoiled? By review. How old is Clearly it is. That yeah. that <laughs> Point two yeah. is you've got to appear grateful when your son would out of his own bought it. Has bought you the record. Can you imagine? That's you can't bad. ask your son for the receipt to take it back. It's a total it of minus really. six pointer. Yeah. It's a total disaster. How you please yourself, Dave? You've destroyed this guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 shattered his life. Soft, destroyed his birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, his yeah. poor son will finally get round to picking up a copy of Word and think, what yeah. terrible thing have I done? When did you last see your father buy yeah. a CD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on his way back. On his way to Oxfam in Marylebone High Street where they're going to charge 25 charge for now, here's, a, here's a question. If you like a record and you see a bad review of it before reading it, do you read it? Uh, do you read it? Well, How do you know it's a bad review? Let's go for the headline. Rubbish new well, record. You very often can. You very yeah. often can. You know, so and so. Andrew Harrison says it's a complete waste of time or whatever. Do you read it? I don't. Uh, I don't want to have my phone yeah, spoiled. It depends in what publication yes. you're reading it and whether or not you actually think that publication knows what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, or if you think Andrew Harrison hasn't got a clue what he's talking about, which obviously lots of people do, you would go, ha I'll read this, this clown, uh, and I'll listen to the record anyway with my brain clear. And what my do you do, Mark? As well. I, well, it's a bit like film reviews for me, which right. I never ever read a film review of a film I intend to see until I've seen it. Yeah. Whereas I'm quite happy to read ones I'm never going to see, uh, in the hope that it will remind me what a good idea it was to have decided not to go and see it. <laughs> so maybe the same thing yeah. applies to music, I don't know. Well, the different films are different, though, because you, you, know, you read a film review, it's going to give it away, isn't it? It's going to give away. To some extent, it. yeah. Whereas you don't want to, it doesn't matter if the ending of an album is given away. Nobody does. No, it doesn't, but a bit like, it's <laughs> a bit like, you, you know, reading a <laughs> book, you know. And then seeing the illustrations or something. Once you've seen the illustrations, you sort of look at it a different way, don't you? Yeah, it's like seeing the film before you read the book. It is. And you go, oh, look, the yeah. computer generated dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, um, my liking of something is generally, it's never quite firm enough to not entertain the idea that the person who doesn't like it might be right. So it'll spoil it. Uh, but no, that's just insulating yourself from opinions that you don't agree with. Isn't it? Yeah, which I think is what people do about music, mostly. Well, it's been true of Pal Human as Eagles album. Yeah. A man whose life has been decimated <laughs> by think, reading Word magazine. I think if it's records that you're really bothered about, you might try not to read the reviews beforehand because you're pretty convinced that you're going to like it anyway. Uh, if it's something that you're not personally attached to, you'll probably read the review whether it's a good one or a bad one simply because you know, for the entertainment value. I always read reviews by um, certain critics, and I don't feel I should name them, actually, who I disagree so profoundly with. Yeah? That if oh, I... Re- yeah, if anything <laughs> by them, that I, I, would, I would, you know, bounce go them out, out the go record. Go out and buy it on principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Try and prove them wrong. 
I tell you what, though, a rare example of them, I read it the other day, and it's on the, the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, is Green's commentary, Green of Scritti Polito, oh, yeah, commentary on Arcade Fire. Which what? is a commentary. The gig or the, or the... It, it just writes about it. I, I don't, I don't, somebody's, somebody's quoted it. Some, some correspondent on the website has quoted it. I'll find it on the site and I'll post it quite prominently. Because it's dead good. Because very occasionally a musician makes a point about music, which is really worth hearing. You know, most of the time they don't. But Green is terribly good. And he, he doesn't like them. He really doesn't like oh, them. How fascinating. And, and, and he explains why he doesn't like them. And it's not just prejudice. It's not lazy, idle, second yeah. hand. You know, he argues why he doesn't like them. And... Um, I kind of like them. I like yeah. them. I like them, but I'm not attached to them. Like because them? I'm not attached to them, yeah. I can appreciate what he says. Yeah. If it's Bob Dylan, who I like and I'm attached to, I'm kind of not interested in the contrary thing yeah. at all, you know. But see, I like Arcade Fire, and I'm very attached to them. In fact, I went to see them last night, and they were absolutely fantastic. But I'd still love to read that, because I respect what he's got to say. Oh, he's terrible. But I'm also fascinated that fella. he's bothered to do it, because I have a theory about <clears throat> musicians' relationship with music. Um, and it's this, and it's not a terribly clever one, is that actually, if you, I don't know if anyone listening knows any professional musicians, but they very rarely enjoy the process of listening to other people's music. Yeah. In the same way as if I said to you, Andrew Harrison, do sit down with a nice, uh, glossy, monthly music magazine this weekend and enjoy yourself, you're probably thinking, oh, God, oh, no, you know, please, yeah. you can take your because, and the, the reason they don't, I think, is, I'm sure I'm wrong, but the reason they don't is, if you're a musician and you hear something that you wish you'd done yourself, that's a, that's a really yeah. miserable experience. If you hear something that is so lamentably awful, yeah. it's a bit miserable to sit, sit there and enjoy the uh, Freud. Yeah. And thirdly, a lot of them try to keep their thoughts original. Yeah. And the more music you listen to, yeah. the harder it is to not subconsciously uh, allow the stuff to percolate through into what you do. Definitely. And so, it, it actually, musicians listening to it, that's why I'm impressed that Green, maybe, maybe it's the fact that he doesn't like it. Also, he's a major intellectual. Well, yeah. Green, but he's, he really is. Because this will be a, a thesis. This will be a kind of a university um, you know, dissertation oh. that he would have hammered out here. And I quite like that. Because yeah. it's very... Um, Elvis Costello is one of the few musicians, I think, who writes incredibly enthusiastically and analytically, but um, with immense awe and respect about other yeah. musicians. Yeah. He yeah. wrote a piece once in the Vanity Fair magazine. <laughs> Do you remember that day? We talked about the best music to listen to for 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, it's just incredible detail. Mm. There should be more of them. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's amazing how rare it is, actually. It's it amazing is, how really, rare yeah. it is for musicians to say anything about Because you can't help but be competitive. It's not that rare, though, is it? You, there are no footballers who can talk knowledgeably about football. They just give it 110% and they're over the moon and sick as a parrot. And yet, People just live in the moment of the thing that they do, don't they? And, and yet, very few people can analyse it. And yet there are millions of cricketers who talk about cricket. Are there? Yes. I don't pay loads, attention to it. Loads of them. Golfers can talk about golf. Is Footballers that can't talk about football. Can't do it at all. Is that because cricket's posh? I don't know. Don't think so. Hmm. My uh, father-in-law was um, the team doctor for Nottingham Forest during the uh, European Cup winning game. Wow. And um, I was talking to him recently about precisely that. Footballers that you could get on a 12-hour flight to Japan to go and play in the uh, World Club Championship and actually have an intelligent conversation with so the only one in that whole team was Martin O'Neill, who had any interest in anything outside. Because <laughs> he was a lawyer, wasn't yeah, he? Really? Yeah, outside of, and he was also the only one that would argue against Brian Clough. Yeah, because he was the only one who could. Did your father-in-law argue against Brian Clough at all? No, well, he was employed by him, so well, well, he, no, the other guys were as well. But, yeah. yeah, good lord.
the word. On the, on the Facebook group, on the, man. Yeah, on the Facebook group. Which is growing in numbers, isn't it? Over 520 people. Yes, thank you. A bit of a spur. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. So thank you all for joining. I don't know, we don't know, I haven't worked, managed to work out who the new people are joining. Could no, we, we can't do, do that. We could do a roll of honour. You can. You can do yeah, yeah. There is some way of doing it, I know, but I don't know. So anybody who knows how to do that, please get in touch. But um, following the um, spam email country and western song title generator that we were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tom Waterman has come up with the uh, Wikipedia prog album (laughs) generator. (laughs) This is good. It's very simple. You go to Wikipedia, you click random article once, that is your band name. That's good. You click random article again, this is your album title, and then you repeat as many times as you want to for the album tracks. So, uh, so give us an example. Well, Tom's come up with a. His band is Pedar, P-E-D-A-R. Yeah. Okay. The album title is uh, Cross McGlen. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the track was here the thirteen ten times. And the track listing includes uh, Maryland Route Three. It's a classic. I, yeah, Rento Kill, and uh, Belfast Journeyman Butchers Association. Do yeah. Belfast Association. Yeah. Fantastic. It's like a request sent in to Alan Fle- Freeman on a Saturday afternoon. But my it? Favorite, yeah. is, Please uh, play Cross McGlenn. You know. yeah. yeah. My yeah. favourite was uh, Stanley Johnson from Australia. Hello, Stanley. Who, uh, who um, generated... Uh, the band were Arthur Frost. The, uh, That's a good name. The album uh, title is Perkins School for the Blind. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the, the B-side inc- of the album includes such fantastic tracks as uh, African Grass Rat, yeah. uh, Cooperation Procedure, and the fantastically titled 1971 Pittsburgh Steelers Season. This is a Bingies album. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> very good. Johan gets in touch uh, on the vexed subject of people whose hair appears to be growing back. <laughs> We've uh, talked about this before, haven't we? We talked about yeah. Dion last week. Dion. Then, and, and, uh, Did anybody mention Stephen Ireland in this uh, thread? Who, who Manchester he? City footballer. Oh, right, go the, one, the one who lied about both his grannies dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Bang me head. <laughs> Why did he do that? Dave's been uh, yeah. cussed himself. We'll carry on without him. He had on the coffee machine. Yeah, well, well, Why was, did he, he do this? He was playing for um, the Irish national fo- football side in uh, Europe recently. And um, decided he didn't want to be in the uh, in the with the team at the, uh, that particular point. I think they lost the first match and they were sticking around to play the second <laughs> one. Um, so he went to the he went to the Irish FA and said, um, "My grandmother's died. I, I need said, to go home." They said, "Not good enough." No, and they said, "Well, okay, then, yeah, we'll lay on a private jet and fly you home." Um, and it was announced, obviously, that his grandmother had died, and uh, <laughs> his so mother he, was watching television on his way home. Somebody from the Irish press found his granny and she said, I'm very much alive. Never better. Thank you very much. Rumours of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. When he landed, he said, oh, sorry, no, I, I meant the other one. Ah! <laughs> and of course she then stood up and said, I too, I'm in fine I'm great. <laughs> And he then said that it was because his uh, girlfriend had had a miscarriage, but he didn't want to tell anybody about it. But some say, some uncharitable souls say, that um, he had a very thin thatch at one point, and it's all of a sudden got very thick again. Um, like Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman's the other one. And some uncharitable souls say that he couldn't take the uh, the, the, the piss-taking from the other members of the squad. All oh, right. Well, Johan gets home. in touch and says that surely, back in the 80s, the late 80s, Bruce Springsteen's hair was receding. 
was now in 2007 he appears to have acquired a whole new bunch I don't know I'm not in a position to stay but I, have you seen that uh, BBC series called Sounds of the 60s that they're running old uh, in concerts on Saturday night they ran a Tony Bennett concert from 1969 at which he's effectively bald well if you look at Tony Bennett who God bless him is still you know yeah. playing his trade now He's got, you know, a couple of shredded wheat up there. You know. <laughs> Thick, you know, you could, you could lose your hands in it, you know. It, they, they never reckoned, you know, 40 years after, you know, the receding hair that they'd still be, still be kicking around. Who are the actually proud, bald rock stars? You know, who, who, not the guy Very of, few. Yeah. Pete Townsend. Yeah. Phil Collins. Eno. 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 Good, good. Yeah. Good. Eno, oh yeah. Good. Oh, James Taylor. Peter Gabriel. Run the MC, Gabriel goes out with that at all. But there are very few. Yeah. And if you take... There should be more of them than there are. Absolutely. The Hedge. I had a... The Hedge. Dwight Yoakam. I had a terrifying experience, probably on a programme with you, actually, Dave, when I interviewed Gary Newman. I think you were there. And Gary Newman had come fresh from a very expensive, what looked to me to be an enormously painful operation. (laughs) Actually, I really can't talk about this without my eyes watering. But it appeared that a series of zigzags had been carved at the top of his bonds. And, and I sort of, it looked like a little sort of crop of, of, of leeks, actually. What they'd done is they'd removed, this is really, it's falling, they removed hairs, I think, from, uh, from his hip. And uh, transplanted. Who has a hairy them. hip? A hairy hip, but apparently the gorilla like Newman. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, pretty hersey all around. And they, they had sewn these into his head, and they certainly appeared to have taken root. But it was terrifying. I, look, I looked up close and I really, I just I can hardly concentrate on my uh, pithy and searing uh, line of inquiry about his new it's album. It's interesting. Because <laughs> if you take the major the kind of 60s rock superstars who are still around, they've got an awful lot of hair. Paul McCartney. The Rolling Stones, <coughs> Bob Dylan, I once Eric Clapton, a yeah. lot of hair. I interviewed Rod Stewart once and he said, I thought it was not a good answer. I said, how long are you going to keep doing this? He said, as long as I've got the old barnet. And I thought, yeah. actually, that's fair because Rod Stewart without the hair... It it's work. not Rod Stewart. It doesn't yeah. work. Doesn't the work old Greco well. pineapple haircut with a product stuck yeah. in it, vertical, yeah. you know, yeah. it just doesn't work. At this point in the programme, it's <coughs> traditional to tell the hoary old rock anecdote. But unfortunately, we hadn't teed one up for this week. <laughs> but instead, I'm going to return with a perfect circularity to the subject we were discussing some while ago, which is short albums and tracks added on and all this kind of thing, and how long albums need to be. Do you know the story about Michael Jackson's Thriller? No, go on. Okay. Michael Jackson makes Thriller when? It's 20, 20 years ago? It's just, it's just been 20 years? 25 years ago? 82. Okay. Yeah, 25 years ago. Uh, and he labours long and hard with Quincy Jones and you know, millions of session musicians and so forth. And they finally, they get it worked out, you know, they've got it perfectly... Columbia Records are breathing in up next. Please, God, save the company, save the world economy. Get this record out. Get this record ready. You know, and to be fair, it was the biggest seller record of all time. Um, and they sit there to, um, to review it. Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson in the studio. They play the whole thing through. Michael Jackson's quite happy. And Quincy Jones goes, I think it needs a couple of songs. Still needs a couple of songs. How long was it? I don't, I don't, well, maybe they checked something out, but the point is this. He felt it lacked a couple of kind of tentpole songs. He felt it was good, but it wasn't huge, you know, planet, you know, dominating, massive. So Mark Jackson went away and wrote two more songs. It took them months to finish it, 
but they were Beat It and Billie Jean. Good work from Jones, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. She's just incredible. Yeah, thing, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, particularly at this point when people are talking about doing without record companies and things like that, it shows the important old function of somebody who just sat there and went, uh, With the it's right not good enough. It's not good yeah. enough. I'm you could do better. Half, like in that advert. <laughs> yeah. Get back in the studio. So, that's, uh, that's it. Uh, so you're going out tonight? I am going to see Lucinda Williams. What if I, I was out? I've been out already seeing a rock band today. Today? Dave. This is now five o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. And this morning I looked at my watch, it was 20 minutes past midnight, and realised I, I was in a pub in Leytonstone, uh, rain thundering down outside, <laughs> watching the first uh, performance uh, uh, since 1975 of the mighty Global Village Trucking Company. I was, Dave. I can tell by your facial expression that you, you don't wish you'd been alongside. No, no. It was terrific. It, the, you, it was terrific. You are truly Mr. Glasshouse Ball. Well, uh, no, right? yeah, no. I, went, I mean, basically, they, they, weirdly, the BBC are making a documentary about them. It's a long, complicated Very thing. Weird. Which, you know, weirdly, and had flown back. Which they never would have done and had been together. You know, Not at the time. No, no. Years and, uh, ago. There was a funny, unique way the BBC is funded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know. And, uh, <laughs> No, it was, they went on stage at uh, quarter past nine and all the cameras rolling. I've never felt more sorry for anybody. Quite a big crowd of people, nearly all of whom had appeared on the cover of an album they released in 1975, oh, which was a God. great big sprawling commune of this uh, That's a good farm way to show a future audience. Oh, yeah, 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 just put them all yeah. in there. And all their kids will go. And all their, yeah, subsequent offspring over the last 32 years were there. The roadie was there, the old coach driver, the old gang. And anyway, they got about 30 seconds of their first song and the keyboard just blew up. It literally was a horrible sound of sparking cables, and it blew up, and the gig stopped, and they had to go and get another keyboard from a place in Leighton, bring it in, <laughs> plug it in, which so they started, they started at 20 past 10, and at quarter past, quarter past uh, 12, quarter past midnight, this morning, they said, who wants another one? That was oh, massive applause, oh, 15 minutes, and they were very good, I have to say, it was a school night, it was a school night, and the last dedication, but they were terrific. God bless them. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.